Hi, and welcome to Local Waves. This is a four-part podcast created by National Museums NI in partnership with the Northern Ireland Science Festival, where we take some time out to chat to four people from across Northern Ireland who interact with the sea in different ways. My name is Claire Ablett and I'm Curator of Transport at the Ulster Transport Museum. Part of our collection includes boats that were locally made for particular areas around our coast. We felt that during this period of lockdown, when people are looking to get out into nature and explore our shoreline, was the perfect time to find out how people today are interacting with the water, how these activities help their mental health and re-establish that connection with the sea. At the end of each podcast, relax as we take a minute out of our day to listen to the sounds of our local waves. In this second episode of Local Waves, we chat to Ian McCarthy, who runs SUP Hub NI, a paddle boarding school based around the North Down coast. Ian explains his passion for the sport of paddle boarding, how this led him to setting up his school, and some top tips for anyone looking to take it up. Thank you very much. Exciting to be here. So, first of all, can you tell us where your local waves are? Mm. Well, I feel like in comparison to some of the other guests you may have, our local waves are very tiny in comparison. You barely call them waves. But no, I mean, my local wave are Bally Home, quite frankly, just a couple of local beaches around Bangor, the Ards Peninsula. Not big surf, but plenty of lovely rolling water. Well, I'm a little biased because that's uh, Bangor's where I'm from as well. So, of course, I think it's the best ones anyway. So. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so I mentioned there that you are from the company SUPHUB NI. Can you tell us a little bit more about SUPHUB NI? SUPHUB is a mobile paddleboard school. We are about to get our first sort of fixed hub in Bangor itself. And really, it is what it says on the tin. It is a place where you can come uh, to learn, try, experience paddleboarding on a multitude of different types of board. And we will you know, just try and guide you to do it ultimately have loads of fun and do it safely that's what we're there for brilliant and uh, what first got you into paddleboarding so i um i first touched a paddleboard back in uh, where i must have been 2007 we were at the time was working and living in london and we used to regularly go with friends down to cornwall at the weekend just to sort of catch some waves and I remember one year, you know, this the, the times of sort of being young, free, single and, and sort of income rolling in, not having to be spent on kids. But uh, it was, um, we sort of saw, we saw some guy at the back of the line out standing up, holding a stick. And we were like, what on earth is this guy doing? <laughs> and so the next day we just went to the local surf shop and said, here, we saw a fellow with um, holding a stick. What are they all about? Can we have one? And this fella handed us our, our first paddles uh off we went and we um we just mucked around with them didn't have a clue what we were doing and just sort of you know observing and at the time even like the you know the internet was around but the sort of volume of content just wasn't what it is today um so it really was just trial and error and you know just it was just a lot of fun but what i found for me was it it completely opened up new avenues so you know, that trip down to Cornwall every every other week or so was a sort of six-hour round trip at, at best. And what I found was that actually the River Thames was, you know, 100 yards from our house. And now, all of a sudden, with a paddleboard and a, and the, well, 
so I'm going to call it a stick again and a paddle. Um, I could just walk to the end of the road, launch, and I can go through. I had my own sort of, I didn't call it blue therapy at the time, but obviously now that is very much what everyone's sort of referring to it as. But that's that's what I, I discovered back in sort of 2007, 2008 was I could just hit the river and I had that instant access to a bit of calmness and and uh, got my water fix for the day. So you were living in London, so... I'm interested to see what the journey was between living in London, going paddleboarding at the weekends, to moving to Bangor, Northern Ireland, and setting up your own paddleboarding business. How did that come about? Yeah, it's 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 not the most logical of career <laughs> pathways. Um, <laughs> I I sort of openly joke about the fact that sort of SUPHUB is a little bit of a midlife crisis, and and you know that's not a bad thing. I think what really happened was I loved paddleboarding. It became a thing for me. So, you know, I think everyone picks up a sport, you know, whether it's football, whatever else. And, and for years it was always football, then it was rugby. I was just sort of, I was um, a bit of a sport flirt and sort of moved between sports. But uh, once I started paddleboarding, I became quite fixed on that. So it was a very consistent hobby. I also then started just making up challenges to do with it. So we became the first to paddleboard the length of the River Thames from source to sea. That was me, my brother and a couple of friends. Yeah, and then every year you'd just try and sort of up the ante a little bit and, and try and do something more. I was, I was quite frank, I was working. I was a great job, which I loved, but growing family and sort of the desires of how I wanted to spend my time were changing my wife as well and my wife is from Bangor originally and we'd always sort of eyed up the the sort of what we viewed from afar as a very idyllic lifestyle by the beach and all of that sort of stuff and I think it just hit that point we had baby number three on the way it was time for us both to sort of depart the big smoke and uh, give them a bit more breathing space to run around and and hopefully us a bit more space to and time to to spend with them so that's sort of what led to it when we moved back to Bangor, there was no, there was no sort of firm intention to set up the school. It was really just being here, um, and I sort of, uh, frankly, took a job which I didn't really like. I think we've all done that at some point, um, just for having a job's sake. And upon living in Bangor, it just shocked me at the time that there were very few people accessing the water, and I sort of often say to Dan's that you know. Why is no one in there? It's right there. It looks like, like, come on, this looks awesome. And then I discovered like little, so open water swimming groups that were all sort of setting up and, you know, the Dash Dash and Splash crews. I often reference Scott Riley of Causeway Living as a big inspiration for me because I sort of saw what he was doing and and the, the impact he was trying to have. And that really sort of inspired me, I've got to say, to to try and just create something that gives people that opportunity to access. And, you know, I probably say this phrase far too often that it just sounds robotic now, but it, it really is about sort of accessing that awesome coastline we have around us. And, and and that was it. And it just became that sort of confluence of, you know, I had the, the skills and the experience from, you know, 10, 12 years of paddleboarding. And, and the qualifications that I'd had done, I'd been doing just for fun on the side. And I just thought, you know what, we can create something here and it might work, it might not, but it's going to be a lot of fun trying it. <laughs> and, uh, and so that's what we did. <laughs> that's pretty brave, though, to start all over in a completely new career in a different town that you haven't lived in. So 
I mean, and I can see the difference it's made to the the local people in this area. I mean, paddleboarding has grown in popularity so much in the last few years globally. But as I say, particularly here in Northern Ireland, you see so many more paddleboarders out. And I mean, how do you view this sudden increase in popularity, particularly now with lockdown as well? I think it's great. I, I really do. I think I think lockdown has, quite frankly, been like injecting steroids to the sport. If it, do you know it really has just ballooned it? Maybe that's a, a bad metaphor, but that sort of enforced lockdown. The way I've been describing it to, to sort of most people that comment in passing, oh, this must have been great for you, is it, it? You know, there were three months where we had to shut down and we couldn't do anything, and they were three prime months. You know, the the conditions were great and, and we had the Coast Guard and the RNLI and, and public health advice and everything was, you know, stay at home and, you know, protect the agent NHS and, um, you know, limit limit outdoor exercise and exposure. And that was all all great and we could buy into that. But it was three months of me sitting at, at home looking out the window going, oh, it's so good out there today. Shorter. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, then, and then all of a sudden the sort of, the, the restrictions eased. Uh, the the RNLI and the Coast Guard came out with a collective message to say, okay, please, you know, use the water, but use it wisely and safely. And and I think, you know, that was important to me at SUPHUB just because, you know, each year we raise money for the RNLI as part of what we do. You know, we part of the motivation for setting up the school was the frustration that someone could buy the cheapest board online or, you know, wander up the road to Decathlon and walk out with a, a big inflatable toy and within 30 minutes they could have inflated it, not knowing what they're doing and they can be calling the RNLI because they're halfway to, you know, Larn, wherever, pick a, pick a spot across the water. It has become so easy to access that the the risk of that is, and, and we have seen it, you know, there, there's been, you know, there were data, data points out the other day that there was, a 44% increase, I think, in RNLI call-outs for paddleboarders. You know, and that's it's all statistics, so you can play around. But ultimately, the, the net effect of the boon in the sport post-lockdown is there There has been a, an impact on the resources. So, you know, having schools like ours at SUPHUB, and there's loads around Northern Ireland, you know, sub-six, TKs up on the north coast, Strangford Lock Activity Centre, uh, active adventures you know there's a bunch of really great schools and facilities where you can go and learn this stuff and 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 I think that's a big part of my purpose is just to encourage people to do it I think it's all too easy to to sort of say oh well I can go and work this out and and don't get me wrong you can but you know for for 40 quid someone can cover six months of pain and torture of you learning in a two-hour session you can have a a great laugh and then you've got six months of some awesome paddling to do rather than six months of some you know faffing around to do so it's all now about accessibility to the kit has just become super simple you know the it's become really affordable and so now it really is just about building infrastructure for people to use that kit safely you know so part of that is the school but part of that as well is just like public services as well like we're trying to have conversations and impact on on sort of local council as to you know what facilities can they be looking at to you know facilitate 
the you know public health in a way. I'm sure we'll get on to you know the physical and, and mental health benefits to the sport. I think that's a big part of the appeal. Getting out in the great outdoors, blue therapy, as we've rest, you know mentioned before, this whole idea that sort of exposure to water quite frankly in, in general and what be that whether you're immersed in it or walking along a coastal path you know all of that is just now viewed very very clearly the research is there to show that that just has a positive uh, impact on on people's well-being and so there's you know what's not to love about the the boon in paddleboarding then you know these this is you know getting people out is getting them active so they're fitter you mentioned this phrase blue therapy a couple of times there and it's not a phrase that I have heard too many uh, too often recently but you must see from not only from your own perspective but also from a teaching perspective you know the benefits of people just engaging with the water on any level not necessarily paddleboarding do you think the the health benefits from a mental health and just general well-being have you seen that quite clearly with your work yeah, um, 100%. So um, we're very conscious that, you know, anything I say on this at, at the moment is anecdotal. Um, we have been trying to collect some data points through surveys and things that, you know, we can start to build a body of, of real valid uh, research and evidence. What I can say anecdotally is the impact is all positive. And I think you know, that is why we're seeing so many people take to it, even before lockdown and, and the sort of the pandemic that we've, we're going through. Even before that, paddleboarding was the fastest growing water sport in the world. You know, I, I don't think lockdown or anything fundamentally changed that. I just think it accelerated its path. I think it just exposed a lot more people to it. And that's because it it sat in this tiny vacuum of of like a grey area where people could go out and do it during a period you know on their own during a period where they could do very little else so you know i think that's that's where it's it's felt its greatest benefit but on the on the blue therapy part i do i do agree with it it's a it's a research area which is rapidly increasing there's loads of studies going on all over the place and more information coming out there's a there's a section of the project in northern ireland uh, the wave project which is a fantastic charity where it's giving um, access to sort of surfing lessons and just sort of you know touching the water for kids with with various different challenges and measuring and seeing the impact that that's having on those kids and it's just awesome right that's it's just a, a brilliant charity a brilliant concept and having a really positive no negative fully positive impact on those kids and their families lives by giving them that exposure and you're seeing that all around, I think, with the move to water. So you, the, the growth in open water swimming. And there's some great comedies, quite frankly, going on at the moment, particularly um, coming out of Dublin around the whole sort of dry road culture. Um, you know, be, you know, people sort of mocking the fact that it's become perfectly acceptable to walk into M&S with your dry robe or whatever it is. And uh, <laughs> it's, it, it, it's funny, right? And, and you can laugh at it, but, but it, it sort of, it covers up a very serious point, which is people want, people clearly want this. People are wanting that sort of, you know, with the, the open water swimming, it is like a bit of a daily cleanse, literally. You know, it's that sort of moment of the cold water immersion, the sort of shock to the system, the coming out, the feeling, 
um, the feeling of part of a tribe, the feeling of you know having a positive impact on your body, doing something physical. It's a mental challenge as well, touching that cold water. And it's the same with the paddleboarding. You know, you're you're on the water, you're active, you're you're getting something physically back from it. But the you know what that's then doing to your mind, that clarity that you get just by just by drifting, cruising, you know, mucking around, jumping in on and off your board, whatever it is, whatever floats your boat in terms of style of paddleboarding, you know, it is all a, a positive impact. Uh, and that is, you know, uh, I suppose the essence of blue therapy. And it's, it's part of that whole movement. And it's not just blue therapy. You can argue there's green therapy from the people that would encourage you to get up the mountains or go to the forest. You know, everything is is sort of trying to encourage people, I suppose, to sort of put the screens down and get outside and do something. And, and you know, that, that post-lockdown environment has really facilitated that, I think. Um, and that's a really positive thing that you could you could argue to hang your hat on it's difficult to find the positives for for many at this sort of time but I do really think that that can be a positive but it's got to be harnessed in the right way okay so it can't just be that people touch it and try it because they have a little bit more time because they're on furlough or or just you know work has changed structurally you know that might not be the case forever and so it's about how do we how do we facilitate that from a, a public realm perspective? Like what, what can government or local councils do to build infrastructure to, to just encourage that? I mean, we've, we've lo- sort of lobbied fairly hard for greater access to sort of just very small pods, aesthetically pleasing, not some sort of ugly, you know, thing just dumped on the rocks on the headland. But, you know, if you, if you look at our specific area in particular, if you sort of take round from Brompton, if you know the, the sort of local landmarks around the coast all the way down to Donaghadee, Malisle, and you could carry on around the peninsula on down to Port Ferry. But if you, every other bay, you dropped a small pod that was two showers and a bunch of lockers, okay? And maybe you, you put a defibrillator in it or something like that. You know, ultimately what you're creating is a box for people to go to that area, to immerse themselves in the water, but for there to be a small little facility that, if something goes wrong or if they you know if they come out of the water and they are you know uh, feeling the after drop too much or something you know there's there's something right there and tangible and and that that then also just encourages more people to do it because they feel that safety net you know little things like that there's there's you know there's loads of things that can be done now and it and I think it sort of requires a, a wholesale rethink you know I'm I'm impressed from what I'm hearing and seeing at the moment from our local council I've got to say I do think it's very front of mind I do see great efforts to nudge people towards the sea. I think there was a there was a period of time where we almost got scared of it, but I think now we're we're sort of really embracing that it's the 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 best quality, arguably, of the area we're in. Our county has the longest coastline in the whole of the UK, and that's because of the way the Strangford Lock works. So, if you, you know, um, and I think it includes counting all the islands and everything in there. But you know, ultimately. We have a, you know, the coast defines our area, and I think getting everyone out there and encouraging them to to embrace it a lot more is is a really good thing. Yeah, I mean, I totally agree, and uh, certainly um, during lockdown, I think everybody's noticed this. If you're going out for walks more, there's so many more people out enjoying nature. Um, for me personally, that's one of the best things I find about paddleboarding is being out on the water 
you see things from a different perspective. You can get closer to nature, uh, the odd seal, <laughs> but, <Yeah>. e- um, <laughs> but even like just floating across the surface of the water and being able to see down, to see the, the seaweed, the jellyfish, uh, the different plants and animals that are living there. And you can get closer to a lot of the seabirds that are on the rocks, things that you just can't do from the land. Yeah. And for me, that's one of the most enriching parts of, of paddleboarding. Mm-hmm. I was thinking about if you were talking earlier on about uh, if people were thinking about taking up paddleboarding, your recommendation would be to take some lessons then, first of all. My recommendation is absolutely to take lessons. But I also am well aware that someone's just going to turn around to me and say, well, you are uh, you know, vested, you have a vested mm-hmm. interest in people doing that. And, and yet yeah, I do, I would challenge you to look at our accounts and, and judge whether you think that, you know, I'm, I'm really commercializing this, you know, I, I'm, I'm I've set this up. It's, it's been a passion thing to do. You know, I hated the term passion project, but ultimately that is what it is. I love the sport. I love the, the variety of different things you can do on different types of, of paddleboard. I love it. And so it's been my sort of, attempt to share that and and at the same time to promote the town the area and just just give it something else to do and and another reason to to come to the area when we talk about people starting out you know I'd I'd be a hypocrite to say I'll tell you a funny story actually so we (laughs) when we when very soon on basically we picked up paddleboarding we were surfing sup surfing down in in Cornwall and then we'd go to the Thatch pub and we'd, you know, have a few Guinnesses and we'd talk about stuff. And then a few sort of sad events happened. And in order to sort of commemorate those, we came up with a charity event, which was to paddleboard the length of a tent. So we did that, right? So that was great experience, four and a half days cruising along. And yeah, just awesome, awesome fun and, and a good thing to have achieved. A week after we did that, so that was 220 miles along the river over four and a half days. The following weekend in Kingston, there was the London 10K Sup Race. Okay, and the three of, the three of us, my brother had gone away at that point. Um, my, the three of us said, right, let's go and do the 10K race. We'll be awesome. We'll show them how it's done. This is great. We're really good at this now. And... Uh, <laughs> And so we we went along to this thing and, you know, we naive, we were naively arrogant about it. You know, we were sort of like, oh, yeah, no, I just see the boys that did did the Thames last week. Yeah, that was us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, really sort of giving it the, the sort of underhand, subtle, big I am sort of thing. Um, and, and then and then this, this race happened, this sort of 10K sprint along the river and back. And these people left us for dust. And it was like, it was honestly, it was embarrassing. And so we were, you know, we, we got out afterwards and we were sort of quite sheepish because, you know, the, the bravado we'd been given it beforehand. And there were, there were a load of factors in it. But I remember the guy, a guy, Simon Bassett, coming up to me and he's a bit of a, a sort of forefather of the, the SUP uh, community in the UK. And uh, he came up to me afterwards and he was like, oh, well, you know, well done, good, good lad, giving it a go and all of that. And he said, if you just you know, what you'll find actually is you just straighten your paddle, you know, get it. And it just gave me like two or three super simple pointers, right? Stuff that if you'd have, if I'd have had a lesson, I'd have known, right? And, but I've just done 220 miles down the River Thames paddling entirely wrongly <laughs> <laughs> and, and thinking we're great, 
it's just it is it, funny i think there's incredible value in just being told simple and effective ways to to do things well from the outset but equally i know that a lot of people just like the fun and the challenge of taking a board and, and going out and trying to do it for themselves and and you know maybe at a later date they might come along and say oh do you know what i've been giving it a go for a few months but can you give me some guidance i'm struggling with this or something it's you know so everyone will be different i would recommend lessons and it's more, I suppose, just from that safety perspective, the, the, the big thing and the big risk for everyone when they take up paddleboarding is just a, an understanding of conditions, particularly like anywhere, like local conditions, because they, they do vary significantly. Um, and and the wind just, you know, I encourage everyone, if, you, if you're not going to go to any of these great places for a, a session, a bit of tuition, please educate yourself on on wind and you know that would be the very least i would ask you you to do and um, there's loads of free online resources that can help give you that information if you go to a sub school they'll tell you all that information if you want but um yeah so it's it you know it's just sort of being safe look out for offshore winds careful of what wind speed is there and and you know start to get an understanding and and this is you know again it's this is i find it great so many people are taking this up i'm starting to notice people's understanding of the water state before you would have had to have gone to the local sailing club or marina and you'd have you know had to ask someone there and say oh can you explain to me about what's going on with the sea state here there and but i find that sort of just because people are swimming more paddleboarding more kayaking more lots more people surfing or, or rediscovering their surfing years I find just that sort of osmosis of knowledge has sort of spread across the population. So more and more you're finding people that, you know, have a have a much better understanding now of, of how wind, swell, tide is going to impact and, and therefore take a view of, you know, looking at what the forecast is of those sort of key data points is. They're making good decisions on, OK, right, actually I'm going to leave Thursday because it, it just looks messy. But Friday looks fairly flat. We'll we'll go and give that a go. You know, so I feel like that's that's a really positive thing as well. Just expanding that sort of band of knowledge. Yeah, I, I'd have to agree with you. Um, not that I'm getting commission. May I just uh, clarify that I'm not getting commission for trying to promote Ian's school, but uh, I uh, I did have lessons years ago, and then didn't have lessons, and just went out by myself for a good few years until I went out with you. And I realized how many things I was doing wrong and how many bad habits I'd picked up. But also I uh, remember my friend, I had been doing it for a few years and I tried to teach my friend how to paddleboard. She decided just to have a go out on the board. And I was so bad at it because I obviously am not a teacher uh, that she came in and was like, I don't think I really enjoyed that. I don't think I want to do it again. Now, I did then arrange, I was like, maybe we should just get a proper lesson. So we did go out on a proper lesson and she bought her own paddleboard. She's the person I mainly go out paddleboarding with. So just goes to show sometimes you should just get taught by a person who's yeah. actually qualified to do it and, and not your mate. Um, but uh, also, um, I wanted to uh, ask you out of, like, is there any standout uh, moment that you have uh, for all your time paddleboarding where you think, while wow, this has really changed my life or it's like an epiphany moment for you? I really vividly remember doing it the first time, like really vividly and just thinking, wow, like this is, this is super cool. So that I would say is up there 
walking up South End Pier uh, with someone pouring champagne all over me because we'd just completed the Thames was a standout moment. But I've got to say the 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 winner was definitely paddling over to Scotland. So we did uh, Donegal to Scotland, and from a sort of personal achievement perspective, that was massive. I don't know if I can give this away in this conversation, but I think perhaps one of the other people you might be speaking to, who's a bit of a legend and someone who I would look up to and, and admire greatly, how many, it's something that he'd sort of done further north before. It wasn't like me trying to sort of elevate myself or put myself in his sort of bracket, but it was, there was definitely a sense of, like I sort of felt, oh, I've got like a tiny bit of brotherhood with how many, you know, like the real, the sort of surf geek in me really came out and I was like, oh, that's, that's kind of cool. He doesn't care, but I do, you know, like that's the, you know, um, so that was, that was a, a big thing. And that was quite, a, it was a, cause it was a really, it was a tough, it was a tough paddle. The tides out there were a, a crazy strong, which we knew and all of that sort of stuff we'd researched and, and, and knew what we were doing, but it, you know, feeling it was a whole different beast. We've got a, an interesting challenge planned for next year, which is going to be still not quite sure how we're going to do it, but uh, we will, we will. Yeah. So I, I love all those challenges. Um, so from a, a personal achievement sort of thing, yeah. Landing in Port Patrick was definitely a standout moment. I died. Like I, I, I won't lie. I did cry and then had a lovely pint of Guinness. The Guinness <laughs> in fact, I think the Guinness might be the standout moment. <laughs> um, and then, yeah, I think, but then there's other, like, you know, that's sort of the selfish moments. There's other moments, like, I, I you know, I'm terrible. I, I'm I'm the guy that cries at happy things, you know. So if something serious happens, like, I'm fine, I'm totally sort of level-headed and we're sort of like, let's work our way out. If someone, like, that just does something nice, <laughs> I'll cry. That's 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 where I'm at. So I remember we, we, we've we set up a sort of summer scheme. We've worked with Dara and, and the team at Crawfordsburn Country Park. And and each year now we, we run a series of summer schemes where we basically, kids just live in wetsuit for a week. And it's literally, you're just in the water or on the beach. And we tie in loads of little exercises around the curriculum. It's like, it's just been awesome. And I think delivering the first one of those was awesome just because the feedback like the kids the parents everyone gave us was just first class like I felt we'd really created something special in that and and we sort of ran that again this year and again I think in the wake of lockdown I think the kids really needed it as much as the parents like the parents really wanted it but the kids sort of really bought into it as well and so I think from an impact perspective that's probably been our our biggest thing that I'm most proud of I'd say Awesome. Well, I've got one final question for you, Ian, and that would be obviously the whole focus of these podcasts is about our local waves. Mm -hmm. So what would you say is the best thing about your local waves? What would I say is the best thing about our local waves? I think they are super accessible. So I think from the heart of the town, from the marina and from the few bays either side of it, you can walk along a coastal path. You can admire it from afar if you want on, on a nice coastal walk, but equally you can get in it very quickly and easily. And I think, I just think it's awesome that so many people are now doing that. I think when you speak to other people in this series, I think that, that you know, if there's some West Coast or North Coast surfers in there, then 
you know, they're going to be talking about very different bodies of water that, to, to what we experience here in, in and around Belfast Lock and the Irish Sea. So my response is going to be different to that. And I, and I think what I really like is actually the calmness. So, I mean, we've, we, we use Instagram to sort of show the world the sort of things we're, we're doing. And I never forget, we must have been, we'd been running for about three months. And basically I was, I was out with a group of friends who were just trying to support me as a new business. And it was a Thursday night. And I remember they booked Thursday nights for, you know, two months or whatever it was. And we just said every Thursday night we're going to go out. And I cannot tell you every Thursday night for that period was just incredible. Like amazing sunsets, you know, well into sort of to past, you know, 10 p.m. You know, we, we, we you know, in the height of the summer. And that's, that's one thing as well, you notice here, just that fluctuation of, of seasonality in terms of daylight hours, you know, it's massive, like at four o'clock today, you know, you'll be putting a head torch on. Um, but, you know, come come sort of end of June, you you know, 10 o'clock, you'll still be out on the water sort of thing. So, but the the, the sunset shots and, and the sort of, I remember that that Thursday night group was, was really special. And it, and it was because, you know, we, there is a, a great amount of shelter from being in this lock. So the minute you get calmness in the wind, you know, you you can have some really glassy nights on, on the water um, and they're quite special. You know, the accessibility to it and, and for someone who likes the touring side of, of paddleboarding and being on the water, you know, it's nice to have flatter water. <laughs> I'll, I'll go to the north coast for my rolling surf. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that's awesome. Thanks so much, Ian, uh, for talking today on the podcast really appreciate it and it's been really interesting hearing about your journey and how uh, you engage with the water and what you love about it so thank you so much cool thank you very much for having me it's awesome excellent i loved hearing ian's story and how he got to this point with the school and how paddle boarding is being embraced by so many also feel like i might need a few more lessons after his description of techniques if you want to find out anything more about Subhub NI, you can check out their website and social media. Next episode, I'll be speaking to Nicole Morelli, founder of the Sea Swimming Club, The Menopausal Mermaids, as she talks about the recent growth in this activity. We now come to our wave time, where we take a couple of minutes to listen to the waves of Ian's local spot, Ballyhome Bay in Bangor. It was a bright sunny day when this was recorded last year, People were out on the beach walking their dogs, enjoying the fresh air, and the gentle lapping is typical of the types of waves found along that stretch of coast.
The Local Waves podcast was created by National Museums NI in partnership with the Northern Ireland Science Festival. Please subscribe to this podcast and leave a review to help others discover it for themselves. To find out more about the Ulster Transport Museum and our collections, visit our website at nmni.com. Thank you.